Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vabysmo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Welcome everyone to New Retina uh, Radio Journal Club with VBS. My name is Lediana Goduni. I'm currently in practice at Retina Associates of Cleveland, and I'm joined today with two of my colleagues. Uh, first, we have Dr. Joshua Year from Retinal and Ophthalmic Consultants in Northfield, New Jersey. Josh, welcome. Hi, Lediana. Thanks for having me. And second is Dr. Matt Starr joining us from Mayo Clinic. Matt, welcome. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, today we're discussing a, a very interesting topic that we don't often see in the retinal literature. Uh, the title of the paper is called Rates of Recurrent Retinal Detachment Following Vaginal versus Cesarean Deliveries, a Retrospective Analysis and Review of the Literature. The first author is Asaf Shemmer, and this uh, article was published online in Retina in August 2023. And Dr. Yur is going to summarize the paper for us. So the purpose of this study was to assess if vaginal delivery resulted in higher rates of recurrent retinal detachment compared to cesarean section delivery for women who have a history of retinal detachment. So this is a retrospective cohort analysis of patients who delivered a singleton baby at the Shamir Medical Center in Israel and who had a previous history of retinal detachment prior to that delivery over a 30-year period from 1990 to 2020. The authors considered 32 patients and 66 deliveries. None of the patients had any ocular history in fellow eye, and cases were divided into two groups, vaginal delivery and cesarean section delivery. No differences were found in the two groups in terms of maternal age, gravidity, or parity, and the authors compared the rates of postpartum recurrent retinal detachment for the vaginal delivery group compared to the cesarean section delivery group. So what they found was that two patients in the vaginal delivery group and two patients in the C-section group experienced a recurrent retinal detachment after delivery for a rate of 5% in the vaginal delivery group and 7.5% in the C-section delivery group. But the this difference uh, in rates of recurrent retinal detachment was not statistically significant. And therefore, they conclude that there is no ophthalmological benefit to C-section compared to vaginal delivery for women with a history of retinal detachment. Great. Thank you so much, Josh, for that wonderful summary. Uh, I'd like to ask Matt for a quick reaction to uh, this paper. No, I mean, that's a great, great job, Josh. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is this does provide some initial you know, evidence. You know, there's always been you know a lot of anecdotal you know things or hearsay about you know requiring a vaginal delivery versus a cesarean delivery, um, which to me, it just didn't seem you know, really intuitive. I think the paper and the discussion goes into some of the mechanics behind, you know, the increased intrathoracic pressure and the raised intracranial or intraocular pressure. Um, and, the, you know, there's really no credence to that leading to retinal detachment and recurrence. And they kind of, you know, discuss that. And I think for me, this is a good way for us to kind of, you know, provide some evidence um, as to why, you know, we really don't, you know, have a really big say as ophthalmologists into what, you know, they want to do for the delivery. I think that's a you know big decision between them. And I think the retinal detachment rate should be something they would have to consider. 
Great. Yeah. And, and Josh, what do you think about, you know, Matt's comments to the paper? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I agree with with what Matt was saying about how um, this mechanism for how uh, vaginal delivery could lead to renal detachment does not really make much sense, right? It's, it, the, the idea behind it is Valsalva, and uh, and that can lead to, they do talk about intraocular pressure being raised, um, but but that doesn't, that's not what causes retinal detachment, right? You need uh, a retinal break um, and uh, from vitreo retinal traction that, that rips the retina and then fluid gets under that break and sort of overwhelms the RPE pump. So it just doesn't make sense that um, Valsalva during delivery would lead to that. So I do appreciate seeing some actual data that, that kind of validate um, that, that this is not really a, a big concern. Yeah, great. I think it's, you know, really important point to bring up because, you know, based on what this paper said and just logically thinking about the mechanism of detachment, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, it, it says, it sounds like a lot of the uh, obstetrics and gynecological recommendations aren't really founded on, uh, you know, really good evidence. It sounds like it's just based on an old theory that, has no real scientific support. So um, I agree with both of you. This is really good to have some data on this. And Matt, do you think um, that this study should, if at all, impact uh, OBGYN consults to ophthalmologists uh, for patients who are pregnant or about to deliver based on their ocular history? I mean, I think if there's ever a question, um, you know, bring on a consult. I, I wouldn't say they shouldn't consult if they really don't know or they're having you know, concerns on how to, you know, you know, deliver or recommendations. Like, you know, please shoot us a consult or please shoot the team a consult just to know. I think for us as an ophthalmologist and a retina specialist, we can provide some, you know, you know, limited data, but you know, some you know, decent data, you know, to suggest perhaps that there really isn't a Rate, uh, risk for recurrent detachment, you know, following either either delivery method. Great, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so we'll take a quick break now, and we'll be right back for a bit more of an in-depth discussion on this paper. Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abismo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vibismo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O dash H-C-P dot com. Great. So welcome back uh, to New Retina Radio Journal Club with BBS. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Year and Dr. Starr, uh, and we'll get into a little bit of a deeper discussion about our paper that Dr. Year just summarized. Um, I'd like to ask Dr. Starr for some limitations to this paper. You know, I mean, as, as much as it is, you know, helpful to give us some evidence, you know, to help support some of our decisions um, when counseling patients, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway for me is there was a lot of things that I really still, like, I had a lot more questions, you know, after reading it. Um, I wanted to know, you know, what kind of surgeries or procedures were they pneumatics, lasers, you know, like, you, yeah, we were talking about offline, just, you know, what did these patients have, or was there a different rate in the outcomes based on the type of surgery, um, at least more detail in the four patients, I think would have been helpful. And then secondly, you know, when did these surgeries occur? Are we, are we talking, you know, were these like, you know, five, 10 years ago or, you know, the more recent, you know, where they're at perhaps a higher risk for developing recurrent attachments? Yeah, great. Yeah, those are really great points. Some more details regarding the the nature of the detachments or, or their surgical repair would be really helpful here. And Dr. Year, anything to add based on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I would like to know more details about those four cases. Um, you know, as Dr. Starr already pointed out, if if these patients, if their original surgery was uh, recently, um, you know, immediately prior to, to the delivery, um, it would make sense that they're still like within that period of uh, having a higher risk for recurrent detachment. Whereas if they were, if the surgery was years prior to the delivery, then it is curious why they had a renal detachment or recurrent detachment within, in, in some cases, days or weeks after the delivery. Um, so, so that is interesting. And I, I, I do think that brings up um, some questions that weren't answered uh, in the study. The other thing is, um, you know, it, it's a very small sample size here. Um, they just had, had just north of 60 deliveries. Um, and it, obviously, this is a difficult thing to study because you're looking at a demographic of uh, women who are of childbearing age and who have a history of retinal detachment and then go on to have a baby at the same medical center, no less. So um, hard to study this. Um, so it's hard to get big numbers, uh, but certainly that small sample size is um, it is a limitation. You know, they had two recurrent detachments in each group, but if they had one or two more, that might totally throw off the statistics and and, and change the conclusions. Yeah, I know yeah. it's kind of interesting. They had 30 years worth of data and like 2000 thousand patients they went through, but they were whittled down to like 32 patients and 66 deliveries. I mean, like you said, it's, you know, <clears throat> it's a hard thing to study. I think it would have, you know, knowing some of the, you know, pre-op metrics, um, you know, because were these patients, we can discuss more as, you know, these are a tricky you know, cohort to operate on. Like, what do you do if they're pregnant with a detachment? Like, um, you know, that gets a little bit scary. Did you try to hedge your bet and do an LIO or something and avoid the operating room? Did you do something you maybe wouldn't have done because you couldn't get anesthesia? And so you know, either way, you're going to run into some you know risk around the delivery time if you didn't do a, what you maybe normally would have done. Yeah, yeah. difficult um, group to study just because it's not the most common circumstance, like you both said. They mentioned in the paper that, you know, the recurrent detachments occurred about 17 and 26 days for the vaginal group, and then five days and 30 days for the C-section group. Do either of these um, surprise you guys, or do you make anything out of these um, out of these uh, delays in uh, recurrent detachment after the delivery? It's just, you know, it's hard to interpret exactly what that means, um, or if there's any relationship to the delivery without knowing uh, the the history of those specific patients. Um, you know, when was the original detachment? Uh, you know, it, it, you know as, as we kind of talked about it, it's a different story if the original detachment was a month before delivery versus five years before delivery. Um, so really hard to interpret uh, those numbers without a little bit more context. Right, and that's a yeah. good point. Certainly, that highlights one of the limitations, you know, of a retrospective study of spanning thirty years. Maybe they didn't have all this information either, you know. Um, but it would be nice to know. Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna you know, say the same thing. I mean, I, I feel like this was a really nice like starting point, but I'm still left with a lot more questions that would have, you know, I think, could have really helped the paper if we had a little bit more background data on, you know, the surgeries, the types of detachments, things like that. Um, to help us, but I mean, it's a starting point. There's not a lot of data as they state. And so this is, you know, start. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's a good uh, start for further investigation. I was actually a little surprised that, um, the prevalence of OBGYNs that, uh, recommend C-section delivery versus vaginal based on, 
um, you know, ophthalmic history. Um, did that surprise either of you guys as well? Or what's your experience, you know, with OBGYN consults? Um, I mean, I've gotten consults in the past um, just with pregnant patients with vision changes, none of them related to detachments. But what is, what is you, uh, you guys' experience with that? I think, I mean, I've had a few like, you know, delivery consults and it's more vision changes and, you know, are they, they're looking for signs of, you know, preeclampsia, things like that would maybe push them over the edge to, you know, induce a delivery. I never would have thought that, you know, they would be basing a delivery decision on like a history of a history of a retinal detachment. Um, and so I agree. It's usually in the setting of vision changes. And I was, yeah, I completely, I was so surprised that the number of, um, OBGYNs that would recommend a delivery based on you know eye findings when you it was like what 60 70 percent or something compared like zero percent of ophthalmologists um, yes. in like the uh the survey studies yeah yes. they they cited a study here that um it was a survey of OBGYNs in England and 75 percent of the OBGYNs uh, reported that they felt that a, a history of retinal surgery was an indication for obstetrics intervention during labor. So either forceps use or C-section. I, I was very surprised by that as well. So having said all of that, um, are there any circumstances in which uh, either of you think that you would uh, offer any recommendations regarding mode of delivery? And I'll go to Josh first. Um, you, you know, no, certainly not for a history of retinal detachment. I mean, I think that it's something that could, uh, that warrants consideration in, in patients, for example, with like PDR where, uh, Valsalva could, could actually rupture neovascular, um, complexes and, and cause vitreous hemorrhage and other complications. I still wouldn't tell patients that they had to avoid vaginal delivery in that circumstance. You know, uh, vaginal delivery is important to a lot of women and, and, you know, advising them to, to uh, use or to go to a C-section instead is, is a big decision. I mean, that's a major abdominal surgery, which has risks of its own. So I don't necessarily think that that's a contraindication, um, but I do think it might at least warrant, um, you know, a, a discussion with the patient that, that they could have some ocular complications, although even in that case, nothing that couldn't be handled. Um, after the delivery. And, and, and obviously in that situation, I would do what I could, you know, PD, um, PRP uh, while they're pregnant to, to try to avoid those complications in the first place. Yeah, that's a great point. And Matt, anything to add? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of my, one of my big takes on, you know, systemic consults for, um, you know, to us as retina specialists is, you know, if you're going to ask, you know, me, if there's an eye condition that warrants changing some sort of systemic intervention, whether it's a blunt thinner, a delivery, I'm, I'm my, my, my general response is you do what's best for the patient. I can take care of the eyes after. Um, I think if they're going to say, well, if you have this, we have to do a C-section. Like, well, like, you know, we have some, you know, limited data that may support you could do either one and they would do fine. From my standpoint, I can fix whatever you need to fix when I, when I need to fix you just do what's best for the patient from your standpoint. Like, and I think that's been my response for most of them. And they, they kind of you know, generally like that approach. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Josh? Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that makes, you know, a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't think that we are really in a position to, to advise um, women and OBGYNs whether or not they should have vaginal or cesarean section deliveries based on their eye history. 
Right. And like Matt said, we have lots of tools in our toolbox to uh, fix most things that occur. So we're lucky in that sense. Well, I'd like to thank you both for your uh, insights and uh, discussing this paper. And thank you to the audience for listening to the new Retina Radio Journal Club with PBS. And stay tuned for further episodes. Thank you.